Welcome to Tech Tales. I'm Corbin Davenport. I'm Joe Fidua. Today, we are talking about CyanogenMod, which was a custom Android ROM, and then it was a company, and then it was a licensed operating system that was sold to smartphone companies, and Microsoft was involved, and then it exploded. So... I know you know what CyanogenMod is, but what do you what do you remember about it? Yeah, I do know what CyanogenMod is. I did run it on a few devices, um, and I and I do feel like I sort of loosely followed some of what went on with it. I I feel like there were some devices that came with it pre-installed and some things like that, but. Um, I do know there was a lot of other stuff happening that I am not really fully fully aware of. Yeah, there was there was a lot. There was some stuff that I definitely forgot about um, looking through this because I had also kind of remembered like the broad um, timeline of what happened. Did you ever um, use it? Like, did you ever install it on a device? Yeah, I had it on. I think maybe two or three phones, and I had it on one tablet. I had it on my Asus Transformer pad. I think the first device I put it on, and this will tell everyone how far back my Android go- experience goes, was HTC Droid Eris, I think was the first device I put it on. One of like the first 10 Android phones ever. <laughs> I think the first one I used it on was my first Android it wasn't really a phone. It was the Samsung Galaxy Player 5, which was like Samsung's attempt at like an iPod Touch. Like oh, it, yeah. it was Wi-Fi only. That was your and, first Android device? Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, and it, it shipped with uh, Android Gingerbread, and then Samsung never updated it. <laughs> so so I, I used... I don't. It never got official CyanogenMod support, and we'll talk a little bit later about what that means, but... Um, there was only like the unofficial build. So like there were a couple different Android versions I could choose from, but like each of them had like one drawback. Like I, I could have one newer version, but the camera wouldn't work or a different yeah, one. I mean, the that, was, wouldn't work. that was pretty standard for the course. Yeah. So uh, talking about CyanogenMod, I kind of have to start at the first Android phone, which was the T-Mobile G1, or it was also called the HTC Dream. That was released in the United States in September of 2008. The Android platform was incredibly limited at the time, but it had enough functionality that it was a decent competitor against the iPhone, BlackBerry, and Windows Mobile. But because it was based on Linux, there was like almost immediately this uh, competition to try to like get at the underlying components and, and extend on it. It didn't take long for a software exploit to be found that allowed root access to the underlying Linux kernel, which allowed the Android system to be modified with features not normally available. And eventually it kept progressing and developers started to just create customized builds of Android for the phone because Android was also open source um, and adding in their own features or taking stuff out. And these were called custom ROMs. One of the custom ROMs developed for that first Android phone, the G1, was CyanogenMod, which was developed by Stephanie Jane. Um, her dev name, forum name, was Cyanogen, so Cyanogen's mod, basically. Uh, early versions were based on another ROM built by another developer named Jesus Freak, 
but Cyanogen <laughs> mod. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> late late 2000s XDA moment. Mm -hmm. But Cyanogen mod added a modified home screen launcher and software keyboard, uh, more file system features, a new pattern lock screen, and some other stuff. Stephanie said in a later blog post from 2013, quote, I'd upload a new version and hundreds of people would immediately install it and give feedback every step of the way. This is how you write software, I thought. I was working as a developer at a small startup in Pittsburgh, and while we were doing really interesting things, being able to actually see the results of your work in real time like this was amazing. Sometimes I'd upload multiple versions in a single day to fix bugs. And the competition was fierce. Lots of original work, and also mods of your mod, and mods of your mod's mod. It was a lot of fun. We all shared the same idea. There was a product we wanted. Nobody would make it. So we did it ourselves at any cost. This idea became the ethos of our community. Quote. Yeah, it was it was wild times. I mean, it's funny saying they're releasing multiple versions in a day. I remember installing multiple versions of custom ROMs in a day. <laughs> yeah, there was there was definitely a point where I was like on the spot with that uh, updater getting the the new nightlies mm -hmm. uh, multiple times a week. That was fun. Pretty early on, Cyanogen Mod is rapidly growing in popularity. And in October of 2009, Google sent a cease and desist to Stephanie uh, over oh, Cyanogen Mod. And this. yeah, and the, this was because Cyanogen Mod was including Google apps and services with the ROM, which is a, a big no no because yeah. those are not open source, even though the rest of Android is. Um, you know, if when phone manufacturers build an Android phone, they can get the Android operating system you know, for free. They, they don't need to do anything there. It's open source. But if they want uh, the Google Play Store, which at this point was the Android market and like Google Maps and stuff, they need to go to Google and get like a licensing agreement going. The issue was resolved by CyanogenMod removing the included Google apps and asking users to just back up the apps from their phone before they started installing Cyanogen. Uh, which led to the rise of downloadable Google Apps packages, which is uh, still a thing with custom ROMs to this day. Mm-hmm. G-Apps. Gaps. Yeah. yeah. And um, by the end of 2009, Mod had somewhere around 250,000 users. I'm going to read a section of a review for CyanogenMod uh, from May of 2010 by John Thompson at Android Police. Uh, it says, quote, at first boot, Cyanogen takes a while to load, but after this I found boot times to be quicker than the stock Android 2.1 ROM. General performance of the Nexus 1 also seemed to be better under Cyanogen, with no lag whatsoever when navigating around the OS. Admittedly, the performance of the Nexus 1 was great already with its Snapdragon CPU, but I can still see a difference when using Cyanogen. The thing that's great about Cyanogen mod is that it simply perfects a stock ROM, which is already nice to use. At first glance, there aren't a lot of changes from Google's ROM, but small changes and tweaks have been made that provide some great improvements. Cyanogen Mod is one of the best available for the HTC Dream, Magic, Nexus One, and Motorola Droid users. If you haven't used it before, I would strongly recommend that you try it out. With a regular update schedule and a great community on hand to give you advice, you have no excuse not to. Pretty good. So by 2009, like, how many devices was Cyanogen Mod available for, do we know? Probably most of them, I'm guessing. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know off the top of my head. 
there were a few that were sort of official versions and then there were unofficial versions created by other people that weren't like up to that standard yet because i think like that's kind of why it became popular because there was there was always tons of roms and like but most of the other roms i feel like were like for specific devices yeah yeah there would be a a community around each android phone and some of them would would only have that phone so you'd get some software builds that were just for that but then cyanogen mod was sort of this like oh it's the same experience kind of no matter like what you use it on and Mm -hmm. it was also like the baseline right it's it's the same thing as like i I don't know if like using a linux analogy is helpful because that that might not be less complicated but like it's sort of like ubuntu where ubuntu is is popular in its own right but also it's used as the base for a lot of other desktop linux uh, operating systems right so in august of 2011 stephanie started working as a software engineer at samsung while the core team of cyanogen mod developers was slowly growing in late 2012 stephanie received an email from kurt mcmaster a venture capitalist guy who was best known as a co-founder of boost mobile about potentially turning cyanogen mod into a full-fledged company what a name, if I might add. McMaster. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Kurt later told Forbes that he had purchased a Samsung Galaxy S3 in 2012 and then found out it couldn't be updated to the latest version of Android. So he <laughs> decided to try installing Cyanogen Mod. And he was like, wow, this is great. Let me go contact the person responsible for this. I gotta figure out how to make money on this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so uh, he reached out to Stephanie, and uh, the company was organized between them and another person named uh, Koshik Dutta, who is best known as the uh, developer who made uh, Clockwork Mod Recovery uh, back in the day. Oh, yeah. By January of 2013, Mod was officially available on over 150 devices. So that included all Google Nexus devices, the HP Touchpad, HTC Evo 4G, HTC One S, the Motorola Droid and Droid 2, Galaxy S3, ZT Blade, like, which is like, that's definitely impressive. Mm-hmm. So I, I want to take a break from the timeline here and kind of just talk about why Cyanogen Mod was really popular. I know we, we kind of talked about that earlier, but basically Cyanogen Mod was popular for three main reasons. So, first reason was that Cyanogen Mod was sticking close to the visual identity of like Google's stock Android, like just normal Android. So, a lot of people were using it because they didn't like the customized version of Android on devices from Samsung and, and HTC and other manufacturers at the time. Um, especially like early 2010s, like a lot of those uh, custom Android skins were, were really ugly and yeah slow and didn't work well i would say really only htc was the one that didn't look ugly as heck yeah and then like samsung's i don't know if like was necessarily ugly but like definitely a lot of early touch whiz was very like apple inspired yeah and didn't always like fit in with with the rest of android if that makes sense but i will say like also stock android was very ugly at this time too yeah and and i think a lot of it was people just wanted to have like android as google intended it to be yeah and and definitely it took until 
Uh, I'd say probably like Android 4.0 ice cream sandwich, and then stock Android was pretty good. For sure, yeah. Um, so like definitely after that point, it's more valid of like, I just want like a clean experience. I'm I'm gonna throw CyanogenMod Mod on this phone. That was why I installed it because it was like, for most devices, that was the easiest way to get a ROM that looked like a Nexus, basically. Like you would put CyanogenMod Mod on it. And that was especially true for devices like the Barnes and Noble Nook Color tablet. Like there were a lot of stuff like that that shipped with very heavily modified Android OS. Sometimes without even like the, the Android market Google Play Store. So like in that case, Cyanogen Mod was was a, a way for you to turn this sort of weird Android thing into like a proper tablet or phone. So uh, second reason Cyanogen Mod was really popular was that. Uh, Google's apps and services were a separate download because, as we said earlier, CyanogenMod couldn't legally include them. So if you're the kind of person who doesn't want as much uh, Google influence in, in your phone, like you don't want the privacy implications that come with that, then you could install CyanogenMod and just not install the Google stuff. And then you'd have a, a clean phone that, that was, in theory, more private. Maybe a little bit less useful, but uh, yeah. more private. That wasn't that, I don't, I mean, maybe it's just not my bubble, but like, I feel like that wasn't as big of a thing back then either. Like people being super paranoid about Google services, like definitely is now. Yeah, it was, it was definitely more of a niche thing, especially cause like Google maps is really useful. I kind of wanted that yeah. on my, on my phones. And the, the third reason Sanogen Mod was, was popular was because its official and unofficial ports often provided newer versions of Android to devices than were ever made available by the original manufacturer. So one example, going back to that first Android phone, the HTC Dream slash T-Mobile G1, uh, it only officially received updates to Android 1.6 but Cyanogen Mod officially supported it up to Android 2.3 Gingerbread. So that was a few more major updates it got from Cyanogen Mod that it didn't get from Google. Also, the Nexus 4, which was released in 2012 with Android 4.2 Jelly Bean, was only officially updated to Android 5.1 Lollipop. But Cyanogen Mod continued supporting it until basically the, the project collapsed. So it had Android 7.1 at one point. So that was much farther than, than Google was willing to update it. One more example was the HP Touchpad, which was released in July 2011 running the WebOS operating system. It was discontinued like a month later or, or something. It was, <laughs> yeah. that, was a, that was a whole thing. Could have an episode about that. Yeah, yeah, probably will eventually. So because it was discontinued and, and WebOS wasn't incredibly useful in the first place, there were a couple different Android ports. Uh, CyanogenMod eventually released a version based on Android 4.0, which was uh, much more useful than, than WebOS. Yeah, and I feel like, I feel like getting up like the latest version of Android, probably top reason why people installed custom ROMs back in the day. Yeah, yeah definitely. Or, you know, I, I don't know if this was necessarily true for CyanogenMod because they never went like super crazy with core system changes, but like, there were some really interesting features that showed up in custom ROMs before Google added them to Android or like another manufacturer did. I don't think CyanogenMod ever really did it. I could be mistaken, but like other custom ROMs were pretty early to like multi-window stuff. Oh, yeah. And then I remember, I think it was OmniROM that had the thing where like 
the the navigation bar could be like a pop-up panel and you'd have like gestures to go back and like switch between apps there was a lot of cool like innovation coming from custom ROMs, but cyanogen mod was more focused on just like clean android with a couple nice improvements on everything so cyanogen inc was officially announced in september of 2013 uh, by that point, the company had completed a Series A funding round, which raised $7 million from investors. Mm. Uh, Stephanie left her job at Samsung to work on CyanogenMod full-time, and several CyanogenMod developers were also hired as employees for the new company. The increased resources and staff allowed the team to work on a dedicated desktop installer tool, an updated version of the super user application, a privacy guard features, and a lot of infrastructure upgrades. I'm going to read a part of the blog post announcing that from Stephanie in 2013. She said, quote, I've seen open source projects come and go, some being bought out and closed, others stagnating and falling by the wayside. I don't want to see this happen with CyanogenMod. In all the chaos, there has been projects that do it right, simultaneously supporting the company and the community. This is where CM will go. Our community is our biggest asset. With any change in structure like this, questions about motives and reason are going to need to be answered. The new products we have created should give you an idea about our motivation and where we are going. What will change is our capabilities, our speed, and our size. I'm not one to let anything stagnate. The next logical steps for CM were out of reach previously, and the path forward is clear now. I hope you feel the same. Quote. So, part of the goal of this company was to get CyanogenMod onto phones you can actually buy. So not just like you'd go out and buy a phone and then go through the work of like unlocking it or whatever and then installing CyanogenMod and, and making sure that's all working. Like ideally there would be phones you go out and buy and it just has the software on it. And Cyanogen landed its first corporate partnership before the end of 2013 with Chinese manufacturer Oppo. Um, the Oppo N1 smartphone was released on December 10th, 2013 for $599 in the U.S. with a choice between the company's skin version of Android or Cyanogen software. And um, in this case, the Cyanogen experience actually had Google Apps included. Like it was like fully licensed and everything. Was this like a choice during boot up? No, it was like different editions. So like you oh, okay. buy it with one or the other. Uh, the Verge has some nice pictures from their oh, review at the time. Oh, phone with the flipping camera. Yeah. Um, besides Cyanogen uh, software, like the main selling point for this phone was that it was huge. And also the camera, like the back camera flipped around and could be used as a front-facing camera. I totally remember this phone, but I just guess I don't, did not remember the Cyanogen mod part of it. Soft, I mean, the software looks pretty nice on here. This is running what version of Android? Looks like ice cream. Uh, four point three. Four point three. Okay. I'll read a a part of this review. Um, The Verge said, "Quote: The Cyanogen mod that comes on the Oppo N1 is version ten point two, based on Android four point three Jelly Bean. It looks just like the standard builds of Android that come on Google's Nexus devices. It's not unlike the versions of Android that ship on Motorola's recent devices, which provide a near stock experience with a handful of enhancements under the surface." As the first device that comes from the factory with CyanogenMod pre-installed, the Oppo N1 is an important milestone. It also doesn't hurt that it's not a bad phone in its own right, with only a few issues in the display and lack of support for modern cell phone networks and a higher sticker price. 
but it's also just as much of a niche device as CyanogenMod is still a niche operating system. The customer that would be interested in the N1, a phone that nearly costs $600, can't be bought at a discount from a carrier and doesn't have LTE, is likely the person that wouldn't mind getting their elbows dirty and installing CyanogenMod on any other device they might already have. It's clear that the N1 is a means to an end for the Cyanogen team. Oppo was a willing partner that provided them a way to launch CyanogenMod on a device in a short amount of time. It's said that the team got the software ready for a release in a mere 30 days, including adding support for the N1's odd hardware features. Quote. I was reading further down on this article, and I see that um, that McMaster guy was, had, pre, uh, I guess, talked about a more consumer-friendly name for the company. I guess that never happened. No, it's a lot of things that never happened that he <laughs> said would happen. That was uh, at the end of 2013, that phone was released. And in April of 2014, the OnePlus One smartphone was revealed, which also used Cyanogen software. Yeah, that's what I, w- that's what I was thinking was the fir- the, that you were going to say was OnePlus when you said Oppo, which, I mean, very similar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this so yeah, th- this was the first phone from OnePlus which was kind of a startup, but like it, it shared a lot of resources with Oppo. Uh it, its co-founder uh Peter Lau was vice president at Oppo before leaving, uh which is also why this used Cyanogen software because he worked on the N1. So, kind of a startup company, kind of not. Um the the OnePlus 1 made a lot of headlines when it was released because it was $299. Yeah, it sure which was did make really, a lot of headlines. Really cheap. And it was sold first through an invite system, um, and then later on it was available for general purchase. You could just buy one whenever you wanted. This phone was sold with Cyanogen software in most regions, which was at this point now called Cyanogen OS to differentiate it from Cyanogen Mod because they were like slightly different things. Like Cyanogen OS had Google stuff included, Cyanogen Mod didn't, there were a few other minor changes. So not even uh, six months uh, in official existence and Cyanogen OS is on two phones. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Pretty good Pretty good start. Now I need to talk about uh, Cyanogen CEO, Kurt McMaster for a second. Uh, he was a character <laughs> to <laughs> To put it lightly. He was destined um, to be with that last name. Yeah. He, like, I, I, I don't know if it's, like, just how he is or if he was, like, being a character on purpose. But, like, he was constantly, like, really overconfident, really, like, sensationalist. Uh, anytime he was doing, like, a, a press event or interview or anything like that. Like, just as an example... At Mobile World Congress in 2016, he said, quote, You're here at Mobile World Congress. What do you see? A whole bunch of goddamn rectangles. Big fucking deal. Who cares about <laughs> rectangles? Nobody cares about rectangles anymore. It's all about applications and services, but you don't hear much interesting about applications and services. Nobody cares about rectangles anymore. And then uh, later on, we'll, we'll, we'll get to this in a little bit, but Cyanogen starts working more with Microsoft to try to use some Microsoft apps and services in place of Google's. And uh, while that's happening in an interview, uh, Kurt said, quote, we're putting a bullet through Google's head, which yeah. 
is okay. that like first of all that becomes the line like everything bad that happens is company later on that's like in the headline and also this is just a completely stupid thing to say because like when he's saying this cyanogen is entirely dependent on google right not only are the the phones shipping with cyanogen os still like licensing stuff from google because that's what you need to have a functional android phone um or like what people expect from an android phone but also, like, Google is developing Android, right? Which is, like, maybe 90% of, of what Cyanogen mod is, right? Like, Cyan like, the developers of Cyanogen are doing a great job of, like, slightly improving it and porting it to a bunch of devices. But yeah. it's, it's still Android. Google's it's like, doing the heavy lifting. Right, like, yeah. They're doing the API development. They're actually making the new releases. So that's just a completely um, stupid thing to say. And in another interview about that, he also said, quote, we're going to take Android away from Google. Quote. <laughs> in late 2014, according to a report from the information, Google approached Cyanogen about a possible acquisition that would presumably merge it with Google's uh, Android division, but that never ended up happening. I wonder if McMaster had a hand in that not happening. <laughs> Probably screwed it yeah. up some way. Yeah, they showed up to the meeting and, and someone at Google was like, wait, Kurt said what? He said, what about bullets? <laughs> Is he going to shoot me? <laughs> so things are going pretty well. Uh, Cyanogen Mod is, uh, is, is trucking on, uh, getting some phone deals. Um, but uh, it all starts to collapse. So in November of 2014, Cyanogen partnered with a company called Micromax to sell devices in India with Cyanogen OS. And at this point, Micromax was the second largest phone manufacturer in India. And Cyanogen's marketing, and like also kind of again, one of the reasons why people use Cyanogen Mod was that it was a good Android experience on older and low end hardware, right? We talked about how like Cyanogen Mod ported newer versions of Android to older phones a lot. Mm -hmm. So Micromax is, I, I think part of the reasoning here was like Micromax wanted to sell budget devices and they saw that Cyanogen had experience in making Android good on, on budget hardware and older hardware. So, in theory, this is a really good match. Um, and this was also around the same time that Google was starting to ramp up Android 1, which was like its attempt to make Android pretty good on, on low-end hardware and, and sell more low-end Android devices. So, that all sounds great, but this is actually the beginning of the end of Cyanogen Inc. The catch with this deal is that it was an exclusivity deal for India. So Micromax was the only company that was allowed to sell phones in India with Cyanogen OS. Now the problem is that the OnePlus One was starting to be sold in India at this time. Mm. Um, so as soon as this is announced, Micromax sues OnePlus for infringing on its ex exclusive license. Oh boy. Um, yeah. So the... Legal proceedings for this included emails between Kurt McMaster and OnePlus's global director, Carl Pei. Carl sent an email at one point that said, quote, I'm guessing there's some misunderstanding. Shall we talk about it during your visit in December? Quote. And then in, in two separate emails, Kurt said, quote, We will be terminating our relationship with OnePlus. I will get back to you with more detail shortly. No misunderstanding. We have no reason to meet in Shenzhen. We are terminating. <laughs> Okay. Then. So basically it seems like OnePlus knew nothing about this. Uh and then they got hit with legal action 
They're like, wait, what's going on? What are we doing? That's always great. Yeah. At this point, I, I think OnePlus was already working on its own software experience for its phones. Like, it didn't intend on using Cyanogen OS exclusively. Um, so, because of this, it started to ramp up development on that, which became Oxygen OS. And that was used on all phones after the original OnePlus One. And the OnePlus One was later updated to Oxygen OS. And um, Oxygen OS is a very cyanogen moddy OS. Yeah, early on, it, it definitely had the same feel. It, it was also visually very close to stock Android, but with a lot of uh, improvements on top. Again, it's, it's kind of crazy to look at, back at this, where OnePlus is now like a huge Android brand, and Cyanogen, in theory, could have been along for at least some of the, that ride, uh, but it just blew it almost immediately. Yeah. But uh, in January of 2015, the Wall Street Journal reported that Microsoft invested $70 million in Cyanogen Inc. And then Dang. that was confirmed in April of 2015 uh, when Cyanogen announced a partnership with Microsoft and laid out a roadmap for its future. Um, it it kind of seems like Microsoft saw Cyanogen as a fresh uh, entry point into the smartphone market because... At this point in 2015, Windows Phone was like, uh, it, was, it was on its way out. It was not doing well. Yeah. And Cyanogen said that Microsoft apps like OneNote, Outlook, and Office would be bundled in Cyanogen OS, and the companies were looking at ways to integrate Microsoft's Cortana Digital Assistant across the operating system. So this is when Microsoft was, uh, like, they had already made a, a Cortana app for Android and iPhone. But with Cyanogen, they were kind of looking at making it system level and seeing it, what, what could it do with, like, access to everything. Um, did Microsoft still own, like, Nokia's um, hardware division or whatever at that point? I think they bought them already, yeah. So they could have been making Nokia phone, Android phones running Cyanogen mod. I, I think so. I, I don't know why they couldn't. Missed I know, opportunity. Like, yeah, I'm not sure what happened there. Um, well, uh, there was, um, I don't, I, I think it was released. There was the Nokia X where they, they yeah, did try to make an Android I remember phone, those. but that They're wasn't very bizarre. Yeah. So I've got a video for us to watch now of the Cortana integration in Cyanogen OS. Oh no. Okay. Ready to hit play when you are. All right. Hit play in three, two, one, go. Hey guys, this is Tom with The Verge, and we're looking at Cyanogen OS. Now this isn't just the regular OS that we're used to, it's actually got a lot of the Microsoft apps integrated into it. Um, so we saw this announced last year, um, this is basically the first time that we've seen it in action. So sitting at the home screen here, if I just say, hey Cortana, take a selfie. I'm gonna take a selfie, as you'd expect, of Max. Sweet, and then, um, this is a good example of the integration, just that voice integration, but once we're in the camera here, you can also do other types of integration. So you see I've just switched uh, to a mode, there's a mode button down the bottom here, and that allows me to select a bunch of different apps from within here. So you can see that Microsoft's Hyperlapse apps is also integrated in here. So that will immediately bring you into the Hyperlapse interface, so you can quickly shoot a Hyperlapse video, real interesting one. And there you go, you can speed it up and down. What you'd expect if you went into the actual app, this is actually integrated into the camera interface. And then back on the home screen, you can see that there's the dialer app here. 
And there's also integration here. Um, so you've got Skype at the moment. Um, you can see the Skype icon next to Derek there. And if I tap on there, it will immediately start a, vo a video call and it'll take you straight into the Skype interface and you'll obviously be able to, to have that video call. Um, in the actual call as well, um, you'll get like OneNote integration where you can do notes um, and, and other Skype integration. What's really interesting about this is obviously this is all the Microsoft integration we've, see, we've heard about and we're seeing today, but it also extends to third parties. So Synergen have done a mod platform that they're announcing today. And as you can see from the lock screen here, we've got Instagram integrated on the lock screen. And that's the best account, the Verge account. That's the one you want to follow. This is going to extend beyond uh, just the Microsoft app. So that's obviously Instagram. We'll probably see Twitter, other sort of popular apps. If you want to see anything more from Mobile World Congress, um, follow The Verge on YouTube. So that's youtube.com forward slash The Verge. There we go. It actually looked pretty nice. Yeah, it was. It, it's definitely like if Microsoft tried to make a stock Android phone. Y yeah, Cortana's there and, and, it, and it can do stuff, but like it's it's pretty subtle, especially when he pulled up the phone app and there's just like someone's Skype details next to their name, like just next to where their phone number would be. Mm -hmm. By the end of 2015, OS was shipping on devices from Wiley Fox, Zuck, U, and SmartFriend, uh, all of which were small startup <laughs> Was one of those Zuck? <laughs> it was, yeah, Z-U-K. <laughs> okay. No relation to, uh, <laughs> to, to Mark, I don't think. Um, and uh, Kurt McMaster said around this time that Cortana and the other Microsoft integrations would help the company reach its goal of, quote, no dependencies on Google, quote, within the next few years. I, I guess just completely forgetting about the Play Store. Like, I don't know what you do about, <laughs> about that. Like, you can replace Google Maps with, you know, Bing Maps and stuff like that. But yeah. um, Google controls, like, the Android App Store. Microsoft or, or uh, Cyanogen would have to build that from scratch. Was it even possible at that time or even now to just install, like, get the Play Store, but be like, we just want the Play Store. We don't want any of the other Google apps. Like, it's, no. it's a package deal, right? Yeah, yeah. That's how, you know, that's what Google's been accused of with anti-competitive stuff yeah. is if I'm, you know, let's say Samsung. If I'm Samsung and I go to Google and I'm like, hi, I'm making a phone. Um, I'd like the Play Store so people who buy my phone have apps. And Google comes back to me and says, okay, you can have it, but you also need to include this app, this app, and this app, and this app has to be on the home screen, and also your apps have to work like this so it doesn't break with our apps and, and so on and so forth. Um, there's always been like like that package to it. What they could have so, did is included the Amazon App Store like Microsoft yeah. eventually did with Windows 11. They could. I could talk a lot about what Microsoft should have did because I wrote about <laughs> I wrote about Windows Phone for several years. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I liked uh, Windows Phone at the end. I had one. Um, I think it's the Lumia Five Fifty. I bought, uh, which was Windows Ten Mobile, and it, it was like a budget phone, so I didn't get like the best experience possible. But um, yeah, I, I did like it. I thought it was designed pretty well. Mm -hmm. It was definitely faster than like other Android phones, like other Android budget phones I tried at that point. Um, that was in the brief period when there were official apps for both Twitter and Instagram. So it felt like I did have a real phone. It wasn't, you know, too, too, uh, awful. I just remember so many people at that time being like, 
this Nokia hardware on these phones is awesome. Why don't they just put Android on it? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, even though Microsoft is, is pumping money into Cyanogen, it's not really doing well. Cyanogen started a round of layoffs in July of 2016 as it struggled to get larger smartphone companies to use Cyanogen OS. In October of 2016, Kurt McMaster stepped down as Cyanogen CEO. Uh, he remained at the company as an executive chairman, whatever that means, with former COO uh, Lior Tall taking over CEO duties. Uh, Kurt also confirmed that Cyanogen was ending development of a full operating system and would move to a more modular approach, which he called Cyanogen Now. Um, I don't know what that is. I, I don't think anything ever Yeah, I've came never of heard of that in my life. No idea what that means. Two months later, in December 2016, uh, Stephanie Jane shared her frustrations with the company in a Google Plus post. A Google Plus post. So part of her post said, quote, Once we started to see success, my co-founder apparently became unhappy with running the business and not owning the vision. This is when the bullet to the head and other misguided media nonsense started, and the bad business deals were signed. Being second in command, all I could do was try and stop it, do damage control, and help every day that something new didn't happen. The worst of it happened internally and generally became a shitty place to work because of all the conflict. I think the backlash from those initial missteps convinced him, talking about uh, Kurt, that what we needed had to be destroyed. By the time I was able to stop it, I was outgunned and outnumbered by a team on the same mission. We essentially stopped shipping after a while because there ended up being two sides split between the original vision and this new blob that no one could figure out, let alone build. Eventually, I tried to salvage it with a pivot that would have brought us closer to something that would have worked, but the new guys had other plans. With plenty of cash in the bank, the new guys tore the place down and will go and do whatever they're going to do. It's probably for the best and I wish them luck, but what I was trying to do is over. Boo-hoo, right? I fucked up and got fucked over. It's a Silicon Valley way, isn't it? First world problems in the extreme? It hurts. A lot. I lost a lot of friends and I'm truly sorry to everyone I let down. I wish I had made different choices and trusted different people, especially one in particular early on. But all I care about now is figuring out what to do next. Yep. I mean, it sounds like an all-too-common story. Yeah. Uh, Cyanogen shut down its online services and all of its infrastructure for Cyanogen Mod on December 31st of 2016, uh, after Stephanie officially left the company. The Cyanogen Mod community forked the codebase to create a new project independent of Cyanogen, which was given the name Lineage OS to avoid potential trademark and copyright issues with the old name. I'm going to be honest, I did not know that that's where Lineage OS came from. Yeah, it showed up like almost immediately after Cyanogen collapsed. Um, I think it was most, I, I don't know how many people from the company were involved in it, but it was a lot of the like, community devs who were who were working on signage and mod previously by that point in time i was like out of the custom rom world yeah now this shutdown also had the effect of leaving all of the devices with signage os uh abandoned the OnePlus one was eventually updated to the company's own oxygen os rom that was actually before all this happened um but even they didn't support it that long. The phone's final update was in October 2016. Another company that used Cyanogen OS was uh, Wiley Fox. Uh, it took them a while, but they eventually updated their phones from Cyanogen OS 
to a more stock version of Android that they built in-house. That was a pretty big annoyance for anyone who worked with this company. That's the story of Cyanogen. Now it's time for the Where Are They Now segment. <laughs> oh, boy. Kirk McMaster, I mean, he's got to be on some startup somewhere, annoying people. So uh, Stephanie Jane now works at Mason, which is a company that builds uh, enterprise hardware and, and software based around Android. According to her Mastodon profile, she also makes music and is in a roller derby league. That's cool. Very cool. Kurt McMaster went on to create what I think was like an e-bike rental company. Or <laughs> I, don't, I don't really know. Um, which was then sold to a delivery company in Europe. And then he founded a company called Mod. And I tried for like Mod? 30 minutes. It's, it's just called Mod. It's M-O-D? just M-O-D. Yeah. Interesting. Like, like it's on his LinkedIn profile, but you, you click the, the page for the company, it's entirely blank. So like, it, I, I don't know if it's like announced yet or if it ever was. I don't know. I did find the LinkedIn profile of someone who works there who described it as a metaverse car company, which is not a good sign. Right up his alley. Yeah. So I don't know what's going on there. Uh, Now he's working on a a new company that is not public yet. Um, Who knows what kind of uh, monstrosity that will be. He's definitely like a very stereotypical LinkedIn guy. I I did a control F on his profile for the word founder and there were 27 results. (laughs) Oh, jeez. He's just that kind of guy. I don't know why people keep giving him money. He he continued to say dumb stuff after all this exploded. Um, Surely he had some kind of response to that Google Plus post. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not sure. I know he said, quote, In the early days of Cyanogen, Nintendo wanted us to create an OS for a certain portable. I told them to stick it. Quote. Oh, yeah, sure. (laughs) Yeah. I have no idea if that's true or not. (laughs) The chances of that being true are very low. <laughs> yeah, like, the, the Nintendo Switch is, like, very loosely based on Android. So, like, there's a small chance, but I, I don't know. And, like, either way, him saying this makes him look even dumber. I don't know why you would admit to this. Yeah, that is weird. Uh, so, uh, OnePlus is still a major Android manufacturer, uh, though its popularity in the U.S. seems to have slowed down the past couple years. According to CounterPoint Research, the Oppo group of companies, which includes Oppo and OnePlus and like their other brands, has around 10% of global smartphone market share as of the first quarter of 2023. Uh, for comparison, Apple's at 21% and Samsung is 22%. That's not too bad. Yeah, they're still doing pretty well. Um, again, Sanogen uh, could have been there for a, a lot of that. Mm-hmm. So Sanogen Inc., pivoted to autonomous vehicles in 2017 after Cyanogen OS and, and all of that exploded. It's now known as, I guess pronounced Syngen. It's spelled C-Y-N-G-N. And if you go to their website now, they, they sell uh, like autonomous tugger and forklift vehicles. Huh. Looks like a legitimate business here. It's a legitimate business because Kurt left. Yeah. <laughs> They've still they've still worked mod into the name. Drive mod is one of the products. You love to see it. Yeah. 
uh, almost no one from the Cyanogen days is still there as far as I can tell, except uh, Leortal is, is still CEO. Kurt McMaster claimed on his LinkedIn page that he left the company in July 2017, so like a little bit after they started pivoting to this. Also, it, it is a publicly traded company under the NASDAQ ticker symbol CYN. Wow. Um, as of August 2023, it's trading at $0.68 per share. So Get in on that, Corbin. If you want to, yeah, you want to buy, buy low, sell, I don't, I don't know if it's going higher or not. It's, it's mostly gone down <laughs> over the past couple of years. And uh, Lineage OS, the continuation of Cyanogen Mod is very much still around. Um, if it, they have official builds for, I, I think, a couple dozen devices. And of course, like there's still unofficial versions for, for many more. And it serves as the base for a bunch of other projects as well. So. But you know what Lineage OS doesn't have, though, is a cute little mascot. Yeah, I don't like the logo. Not a good logo. The Cyanogen logo, like the somewhat newish one. I don't remember what was the, ver- the final one, but the like little droid face is very cute. Yeah, it, it, was, it was that. The, the mascot's name was Sid. Yeah, I with, do remember with a that. C, yeah. Um, yeah, the, the final logo was just like the word Cyanogen, but then the, I really liked the, also the original logo for Cyanogen mod, which was like the, the droid on the skateboard. That was pretty cool. That was Cyanogen mod? Yeah. I thought that was one of the original Android, like boot screens. Interesting. That's weird. Uh, well, that's, that's pretty much it. Do you, do you have any plugs to, to wrap us up? Uh, you can follow me on Mastodon, uh, mass.to at Talshmo. Excellent. TechTales is also on Mastodon at TechTales at mas.to. Also on Twitter at TechTales Show. The links for those are in the show notes, along with all of the sources. We, we cite our sources here at TechTales. And there are links to support the show if you want to do that. And... Thank you for listening, and we'll be back in your podcast feed soon. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.